My name's Patricia King, and today I have an exciting message for you to hear. Stop! What are you thinking? We can't make it look like Patricia King is endorsing fighting. <clears throat> Hi, folks. Uh, Chris Roseberry here. Just want to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and your financial contributions to continue to bring this important radio outreach to you as well as to the world. And unfortunately, we don't have the the major cash resources that... Patricia King does, but we have you, our listener audience, to help uh, support us financially so that we can keep bringing this radio program to you into the world. If you don't already support Fighting for the Faith financially, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And there are perks to being a crew member. Just keep listening to the program to find out what the latest perk is. And, of course, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button. Or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send that to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, on to the program. We loved making it. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Here we go. It's time... For another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Wednesday, September 4th, 2013. No joke, I think this is probably the most important hour of radio I have ever recorded. Details shortly. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We slow down and stop and listen to what people are saying with our Bibles open. I, one of the, the new slogans I really like for our program is don't ever listen to fighting for the faith with an open mind. Never. Always listen with an open Bible. Now, at the opening of the program, I said today's episode of Fighting for the Faith is probably, in fact, I'm convinced it's the most important hour of radio I have recorded in my five-year career of uh, doing Fighting for the Faith. Today's program will be controversial. It's going to be controversial for two reasons. We're going to be talking about something that, well, not a lot of people are talking about, at least openly. There's a lot of people who are talking about it behind the scenes. There's a problem that needs to be discussed. And unfortunately, sin often thrives when sin exists in the dark. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to turn on the lights. Um, and I say we because the other reason why this program is going to be controversial is because I've invited somebody on the program who is, um, let's just say, not a, uh, somebody 
who is well-liked within the uh, discernment community. And that is putting it, well, lightly. That's an understatement. I've invited back on the program Jonathan Kahn, the author of the best-selling book, The Harbinger. If you remember last year, there was a big kerfuffle, a big flat. There was a lot of controversy regarding The Harbinger. And there was a lot of people um, in the discernment world who, well, I hate to say this, were flat out slandering, lying about, gossiping, and tailbearing, and not speaking the truth about Jonathan Kahn. It's one thing to engage somebody's ideas. It's another thing to accuse them of something that they have never done or never said or never believed or never taught and use that to demonize a person. So today we're going to be talking about the dark side of discernment. I do this from time to time here at Fighting for the Faith, and it's been a while. I probably overdo that I've had an in-depth discussion of this problem. Now, I want you to understand something here. Normally at Fighting for the Faith, I name names. I play sound bites so that you can hear them in context. Today, I'm not going to name names. There, nobody, nobody, not one single person who does discernment will be named by name on this program because it's not about a particular person or persons. It's about a particular technique. And so without any further ado, here is my interview recorded earlier today with Jonathan Kahn. All right, on the line, I have Jonathan Kahn, the author of The Harbinger. This is his second time appearing on Fighting for the Faith. Uh, Jonathan Kahn, Mashlam Hahiyom. Oh, oh, I'm doing good. How, how do you do, Chris? Doing really good. I want to thank you for coming on Fighting for the Faith, um, knowing that today's topic could really truly be a controversial topic. But our goal is not to attack any one person, but instead to talk about a particular problem that exists within the wider Wild West world of online discernment and uh, the sins that are occurring there. Um, last year, when The Harbinger came out, there was a lot of scuttlebutt and kerfuffle regarding uh, your book, The Harbinger. And uh, last year, you you came on the program, and we had a great conversation about your uh, your book. I took the time to read it. And in our interview, I, obviously, I, you and I have very different opinions about how to handle Isaiah and you know that portion of the book. But the one thing I truly found to be a, as a merit— is a very clear presentation of Christ and him crucified for our sins and salvation only in Jesus Christ. And I credited you with that. And since that time, you and I have corresponded a few times and and communicated with each other. And although we disagree with each other on a few things, we still have a cordial friendship. And because you preach such a, a, a correct gospel, I have no choice but to believe that you're my brother and have no problem with that. Thanks for coming on the air. My blessing, and it was uh, it was a blessing to talk with you. I I respect it. There's no you know no problem with you know with <laughs> discussing things, you know, and that that's the way it really should be. I think throughout the whole movement. Right now, it, it, the emails that we've exchanged lately, we've talked about uh, kind of a general problem, and and the thing I like about it is is that we're not talking about it in the abstract. We're talking about what you experienced after you published the book, The Harbinger. Now, granted, I mean. Uh, you know anybody who publishes anything or says anything publicly is is open to criticism. I receive lots of critical emails uh, for the work that I do at Fighting for the Faith. Um, but what happened to you is beyond just 
you know, somebody taking issue with something that you said or something that you wrote, but instead it, it rose to a different level. It rose to the level that were there were all kinds of charges brought against you um, made by different types of people uh, with different types of mediums. Um, these charges were completely baseless, and I want to talk about some of these things and give you the opportunity to tell the story so that we can address the underlying false tactics that were employed and the result of what those tactics brought. Because, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that if somebody has misapplied uh, a passage of Scripture or has misread it or misinterpreted it or hasn't rightly handled it, that it's fair game to say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't think that's what this passage says. Here's proper hermeneutics. Here's what the passage says in context. And, you know, and, and offer a, a remedy. But that's, that's one thing. But it's a completely other thing for me to say, well, you know, um, Rabbi Khan, because I disagree with your hermeneutics on this, therefore that gives me the right to say that I think I saw you, um, you know, on a dark street corner next to John Shelby Spong. And, and I really think that because you two were in the same vicinity as each other, that that somehow means that you're probably in cahoots with him and, and part of some liberal agenda or something. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes, I do. I do know very well. Yeah. And and yeah, I experienced everything, including, you know, including also, you know, the really misreading of what the harbinger it was saying and and or and or the non reading of what it was saying and then still coming up with crazy, you know, charges that, you know, I think many times are, are more reflective of the people making the charges than, than the objective reality. Right. Let's take a look at some of these accusations. Uh, you were yes. accused of uh, teaching replacement theology. Yeah, and, and the other, yeah, the other thing, Chris, is is I, you know, we expected the kind of opposition from the secular realm. You know, what we didn't expect is what happened with some in the discernment realm. And I also want to say that a lot of the discernment realm have, uh, you know, have been, you know, some of the strongest champions of the harbinger. But yeah, re- the first one, re- the first one that hit me was replacement theology. I was actually on the phone. I was doing a radio interview, and someone emailed in that they had just heard this this charge on the radio made that I was advocating replacement theology. And I, I literally, I mean, I, I, you know, my reaction was laughing at first because I just couldn't believe it just didn't seem real. Um, and, you know, basically it was, um, you know, two brothers um, on the air and, um, well, actually it was probably three different broadcasts, but the, the charge was that it was um, that I was advocating that God is finished with the Jewish people. And to because of, you know, of uh, showing a parallel between what's happening in modern times and, and the biblical record of Israel, and particularly what's happening in the, the apostasy of America, mm-hmm. that meant that I was saying that God is finished with Israel, he has no more plans for Israel, that that's what I was trying to do. Um, and this, um, you know, it, it, this kind of morphed into um, advocating British Israeliism and all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, the, the evidence was, again, because simply I, I drew parallels or, or, or uh, spoke of parallels being drawn regarding America. And, you know, and, you know one of the reasons it was said that I, I spoke of the destruction of ancient Israel but didn't speak of the rebirth in 1948. You know, uh, so just to answer this, first of all, I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a Messianic congregation. Which is called Beth Israel, you know, and which meets at a place called the, the center is called the Jerusalem Center, you know, the which 
I preach against replacement theology continuously, you know, and we are strong supporters of Israel. And, you know, I mean, all, you know, countless messages are teaching on God's promises to Israel. In fact, even in our statement of faith, you know, in our basic statement of faith, um, we put in there, even though it's not, you know, an issue of salvation, we do put in that God specifically is not finished with Israel, that he will fulfill fulfill all his promises historically, literally, you know, as written in the Bible. Right. So it was, and anybody who knows me would just be laughing at this, but it, it just it just went on several public radio broadcasts all over that I'm going to replace with theology, that I'm advocating. So, okay, so, okay, now... <laughs> Maybe I'm old school here, but uh, journalism, it, before you can run with a story uh, in journalism, uh, you actually have to, you know, make sure that your sources are solid and, and complete. What you're basically saying is because of an argument from silence rather than anything you actually affirmatively said, you know, uh, in fact, in spite of everything that you've affirmatively said, somebody came to the conclusion and continued to actually speak lies about you, that you teach replacement theology when you could point to the record and go to the, your sermons and say, and your website and say, not only do I not teach replacement theology, here's me actually preaching against it. Why didn't you do your homework and, uh, and, and take this evidence into consideration? Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, that's, that's, yeah, that, that's old. That's journalism. That's correct. Unfortunately, some of the standards of, of the world in journalism are not, uh, you know, are, are not applied in the kingdom, you know, mm-hmm. and, and are not applied, you know, I mean, you know, some standards that even, you know, gossip magazines have to go by legally um, are, are higher than sometimes what's done in the kingdom. That's the problem. Um, no, you know, it'd be very easy for someone just simply to Google me, you know, and very, very quickly they'd see that, um, you know, strongly uh, uh, advocating that God is not finished with Israel. I mean, that, it's, I mean, that, it's, it's basic, but they didn't, that di- apparently never happened. Hmm. Um, and, you know, and, it, and I think this points to, a, you know, one of the problems and one of the, you know, I could say illnesses in, in some in the discernment movement, and that is that there is a jumping to, you know, find evil or jumping to, mm-hmm. hey, we got something here, and this right. is it. And, you know, we have our category of things we're against, and, hey, look, you know, I saw, you know, he didn't mention Israel coming back. Well, that's not what the Harmonger's about. I, I, I've done plenty of messages about that, but that's not right. what the Harmonger's about. Yeah. You know, and, but he did mention that there's a parallel with America, therefore, you know, replaces God, which replacement theology is basically saying that the church replaces Israel, you know. So, you know, you know, and the other thing is this, I would say at least three broadcasts, which, which has also spread throughout the internet, spread all over. Uh, later on, in fair, you know, I, I said, I said, listen, you guys have to give me a chance to address this. And there was some chance and that was good. Um, but at that point, it was that, you know, when I, when I brought this up, the, the, the one said, oh, did we say that? You know, and, and it was never, it was never, um, you know, there were, this was done publicly. This was done, you know, on, on the airwaves, and it, and it spread to the internet. But it was, but also the other part is there was no re- real repentance publicly. That hey, we did stuff. We said something wrong. It's mm-hmm. not right, and we are we're correcting this. He is not into that at all, and this is wrong. But that didn't happen. Right now, if the New York Times had written an article about Jonathan Kahn's theology and falsely or you know what for whatever reason got it wrong and and in that article had re- had reported that you teach replacement theology and you contacted the New York Times and said hey um not only do I not teach replacement theology here's sermons where I preach against it 
Um, the New York Times journalistic standards, and boy, I I hate to have to appeal to something like that because you would think that Christians would have higher standards than something like the New York Times. Um, but the New York Times would then actually issue a retraction and a correction. I mean, as somebody who's been reading newspapers for all of my adult life, I've seen quite a number of retractions and corrections in major newspapers across the globe. Um, but what you're saying is, yeah. is that despite the fact that these people were told that you do not teach replacement theology and provided the evidence to show that you do not pre- uh, teach replacement theology, they never said they're sorry. They, no, they no. never asked for your forgiveness and never no. corrected the record on their own no, sites. The, no, no. The, the most, and in fairness to one of them, and the most that when, when they were asked on interview uh, shows again because of this that what came up saying that well yeah he's into replacing the audit and then one would say well you know not exactly he said this but then again he'd usually put in but still then we think that it is functionally replacing the audit although go on um but the, the thing is that you know that's about the most of it in fairness but you know the fact is this was done i mean entire you know i mean entire segments on this and there was never an apology there was i mean there was never hey we do this was wrong it was a mistake and mm-hmm. we retract that you're you know it's definitely not the case right and that, that that's true with most of these things you know which we'll which we'll see but right. that was the first thing you know yeah which which reminds me that christians are supposed to have a higher standard than even the world um yeah. The last time I checked the Decalogue, there's a commandment in there that says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. And Christians, you know, we don't just say that um, fellow Christians are our neighbors. We say that they are our blood-bought brothers in Christ. How much more should we not bear false witness against the brethren, yet alone our neighbors? We're not, we, nowhere is are Christians given the right uh, to to lie and bear false witness against their neighbors. What has happened to Christianity that in the name of defending the gospel, people believe that it's okay to bear false witness against their neighbor and not just any neighbor, a Christian brother? I yeah. Well, the other yeah the the thing that goes along with that is that with the group of the the majority of the group that was doing this. When I say group, I don't mean they're all together, but. The majority had not even read the Harbinger when they declared all-out war against it. I mean, I, I can, from what we know, one of them read it at the time and misread it because they, again, thought that it was replacing the object and other things. But the majority did not even read it. So to me, it's, you know, how do you go on the air and, you know, say things that, have, I mean, that, uh, and it's not about me. I mean, I, nothing stopped the Harbinger. It's gone full black. No, nothing stopped anything. But... They, that I have no, I have no, you know, no bitterness of the thing. I, we pray, and that's why we're on the air, you mm-hmm. know, because this affected a lot of people. I mean, right. you know, how many, how many people have been affected because people went on the air and said something because they, you know, they jumped to this and they, they're talking about people's reputations, talking about pastors, talking about ministers, and with just little, you know, a little phrase or 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 a whole segment, you can, you know, technically destroy someone's reputation. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Right. Now, there's another charge uh, that was brought against you that in the Harbinger, there's no call to salvation. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. This was said um, that uh, there, there's there's no altar call, there's no salvation. Um, and the basis of this, basically, I didn't say certain words like Christ or didn't say cross or didn't say resurrection and didn't mention the second coming was actually said in this thing. Um, and, hmm. and now, now let me, you know, to me, and at the same time, you have plenty of 
pastors and people in the discernment uh, who said this is one of the strongest calls of salvation they ever read. Mm-hmm. So you, you, the thing is, first of all, a lot of a lot of books and you know Christian books and even in the discernment uh, community do not even have a chapter fully on salvation. The Harbinger has an entire chapter which is called yep. eternity, and that the entire chapter is to draw someone who doesn't believe to to give the reasons to believe why they had to have the savior a savior die for them and to be saved from hell you know um and so the point of that is and first of all as a jewish believer we generally you know we can mention cross the bible actually says Dauros, which means stand but mm-hmm. that's you know you know it, it's kind of like and, and once that he i didn't use the word christ well i used the word yeshua and said jesus i mean that you know you know it's kind of crazy right focus on that um, but then, and it does say, it does mention the over that you know, and meaning the overcoming of death. The point of the, the whole chapter. I mean, most people know the you know in America, and most people who are reading this know of you know that Jesus died, and the gospel is saying that he rose. But the point of the chapter is to win someone over who doesn't believe, and that is that goes through a lengthy you know um, argument. Mm-hmm. Why we are all sinners, why we are all, you know, uh, under judgment, why there is an, an infinite gap between, you know, between uh, God's righteousness and our our unholiness, which is which leads us to hell, and only God Himself could bridge that gap by the sacrifice of His life. I mean, you know, it's going through. I mean, that's the, the whole chapter is going through that. Um, so Sounds like the gospel like, to me. I mean, get, yeah. I want to interject here. It it makes me wonder if, if these people would be consistent. It, you know, based on what you're saying here. I mean, when I read the Book of Acts, I mean, you know, in fact, this is one of the books I'm working on in my own translation of the Bible right now. One of the things that strikes me is that the Apostle Peter doesn't give the exact same gospel presentation to t- twice. Okay, and that Paul's presentation of the gospel has marked differences in its approach as well. There's there's certain things that are in common between them and a lot of things that are very different. If they applied the same standard to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, would these men be able to be uh, charged with not having a clear call to salvation? Absolutely. And, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like saying, you know, if I, you're going up to somebody, you're witnessing and you say, listen, God loves you. You know, Jesus died for your sins. And, you know, and therefore you didn't, you, it wasn't the gospel or it's some false gospel because you didn't, you didn't go through everything at that moment. Um, that's the whole point. And, you know, instead of saying, hey, you know, most books don't even have a an, an entire chapter calling someone to salvation um if it's not the exact same way and it's exactly right the fact is if you applied a lot of these standards to paul if, if they were if some of these people were around at the time of paul or many other, i mean you know and matthew and many things and they, people would they would be crucified exactly. for for under these kind of standards i mean the other thing that is that one of these brothers and i'm calling all of these my brothers was on the was on a program and he was saying that this, there's no this, there's not a salvation call and and as he's saying it at the end the host does a salvation call and doesn't specifically say Jesus rose doesn't specifically say any of the things and nothing was said, nothing was said at all in, in mean, other words there's a du- they apply a double standard a, a standard that doesn't I, apply to them that they hold you to there's a double standard continuously I mean you know there is uh, you know example you know well, there's so much examples, but yes, there, that's another problem is a double standard, which is, you know, for instance, I was on a radio, I was on a television program, and, you know, an entire segment was done condemning me for being on the, the program. The, 
point of me being on a program, my view is I am trying to get the gospel out to and get get the call of salvation, the repentance out to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I endorse everything or anything about the the host or interviewer of any show that I'll be on. But the the point is that someone very close to those people went on the same show. They said nothing. I mean, so. There is a double standard continuously. Yeah, well, let's talk about that too, because you, you've you've talked a little bit there. You've hinted at it, a concept of guilt by association. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear. By uh, coming on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, did I require you to sign a declaration basically saying that I agree with and uh, subscribe to the doctrines as laid out by the Lutheran Church in the uh, in the uh, fifteen seventy edition of the Book of Concord? Yeah, you. Yes, you did, but you were the only one who required that. No, no, of, of course not. <laughs> of course not. That's the whole point. Of course not. I mean, if I'm going to go on any secular show, I'm not going to agree. I'm not. I certainly don't agree with where they're at or what the station does. Right. And even with Christian, I don't necessarily agree. You know, I might agree. I may not agree with anything. I might agree with some things. You know, the point is what I'm presenting is what I'm presenting, and this goes back to. You know, I mean, you know, you know, what would they have done? What if, what if there was a, a, you know, a television program called Mars Hill, and it was run by pagans, and they had all sorts of New Age stuff on it? And <laughs> I'm appearing. Well, Paul appeared at Mars Hill, right. and he certainly preached the gospel. But, but you know, the fact is, he would have been crucified for that among some people. The fact that, look, by going on there, I don't care what he says. By going on there, he's giving legitimacy and he's condoning right. all this pagan practices. Well, obviously, Paul did said that's not the case. Right. Um, I will go everywhere I can to get the gospel out. Yeah, and Acts 7, uh, 17 makes it clear that the whole purpose of that Mars Hill meeting, these guys just like to get together and discuss anything new. I mean, that was their big deal. And yeah. and so, you know, uh, by Paul appearing at Mars Hill, does that somehow mean that he was endorsing, oh, we got to talk about all this new stuff all the time? You know, no. Of course not. And, yeah, and he and the, the the point was, I mean, how you know, Paul's thing was to reach the people who needed the gospel, right? And so, if we only go on forums where everybody agrees with us, we're not doing it either. And the thing is that you know, when I speak of the harbinger, I will. I mean, the, the message of re, the, the ultimate message is of repentance, and that's mm-hmm. always there. Yeah. Repentance. The whole context is. The judgment of sin and the ultimate answer is the cross of Jesus. Right. Let me. That's make, what that. That's the point. Let me make one more point, and we'll move on to the next accusation. And that is this: is that the Pharisees actually used a guilt by association argument against Jesus. What they said about him is they said he hangs out with he he eats with sinners and tax collectors. That was a guilt by association argument. And you know what? I am so thankful that Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. Because I yeah. am one, and if and Jesus yeah. came, he said that he came for the sick, he came for the lost, he came for sinners. He did not come to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners. So I am really thankful that Jesus took the time to take the hit, to be associated with sinners, because I am one. Yeah, and the, and the very fact that he came to Earth is the is, is the beginning of that. I mean, right. You know, if it wasn't that, he would there would be no gospel because he would never be here. Yeah. And you know, the the there's so much. There are things that I mean, I read on some of these sites, you know, that said, look, John McCon is endorsing a certain book, which I've never endorsed, you know, but because someone in the congregation had used this, and then it wasn't even talking about the book; it was about another book written by the same, same person that I had no idea of. But it's been a good deal. One said that this person, you know, that, that I'm getting my doctrines from people who, who 
I either I was on their show or I don't even know the people. One person uh, went on the air to say that I'm in secret collusion with Rick Joyner, who I've never met in my life. You know, you know, but that's the craziness of it. Okay. Next charge. Next accusation. You're a Gnostic, apparently. Um, of course. Uh, yeah, um, Jewish Gnostic. What what was all the evidence that uh, that proved this charge of Gnosticism? Yeah, this came out in one of the websites, and you know, a whole article on how I'm really advocating Gnosticism. Why? Because of things like the, I use the word mystery or keys, or you know, speak of you know, revelation. Um, you know, the problem with this is, and, and this actually actually came up with more than one person. The problem is, I think sometimes you can have such a narrow view that, you know, these are words that are used in the Bible. And, you know, the fact that a word can be abused, and this is, a, this is another form of guilt by association, because a word can be used by people who are into Eastern religion or New Age or atheism, whatever, doesn't mean the word is sinful. You know, yeah. otherwise we have to call the Bible sinful because it uses the words of mystery and keys and the revealing of, etc. You know, right. I think it's a matter of looking at another problem, and this is what the Pharisees did, and I'm not talking about any specific person, but the, the principle that because something sounds like something in someone's head, that means that, or it's been used in some way, that means that, you know, you can condemn, go on the air publicly and mm -hmm. condemn and link the person to someone else who used the same word. Right. Which, again, you could do with the Bible. And listen, for that matter, the word God is originally a pagan word. I mean, the word God comes from Sanskrit, Gutta, because the words were used by other people before they became used by Christians. You know, R right. the word Theos, the word El was used by the Canaanites. I mean, that doesn't mean the word El is pagan. Right. And I would even point out, you know, just to to buttress the point that, you know, just because somebody uses a word doesn't mean that they mean it the same way. For instance, you know, I'm I'm a very vocal critic of the purpose-driven movement. And yet there are passages in the Bible that clearly talk about God's purposes in the world. I would hate to have to receive criticism from somebody as I was exegeting and teaching through a passage that talks about God's purposes and be accused of teaching the purpose-driven uh, you know, a theology when I don't, I'm, yeah, I, I'm yeah. a sharp critic of it. But when yeah. I, when, when, you know, the pericope calls for me to teach that text, I've got to teach it rightly and use the words that are presented there in the text. And the word purpose is right there. Just because yeah. somebody abuses that word doesn't mean that it doesn't have a right mean, a meaning and use. Exactly. And that, that is, you know, this kind of brings to the heart of, of, of some of this. To me, this is the opposite of discernment. Yeah. You know, discernment is, you know, you have to be able to distinguish between things. You don't just lump things together. And that's one of the problems. It's To me, that's anti-discernment in the name of discernment. And, yeah. you know, the, the you know one of the things is, you know, it is absolutely wrong for anyone to you know, be embracing obviously false doctrine, and and to to because someone you know, and it is right that we call what is false false. But at the same time, or at the same time, to call what is true false, or to call what is not false false, is just as bad as people who accept, you know, without thinking, accept things that are false as if they were true. Yep. It's the same, and it's like the, it's the other side of the coin. Mm -hmm. You know, if I am if I'm quickly to jump, like as some people are, to accept any new doctrine. You know that is wrong. But if I am quickly to jump to attack anything that sounds different to me, that's also going along the same danger. And that is, it is not discernment. Discernment, you have to distinguish. You have to, you have to do your homework, and you have to take the effort to do that. Which instead of taking shortcuts, which 
which is done right. on the other side, it's also done in the, unfortunately in the discernment community. And I want to say, listen, there's a good I and mean, there's an absolute need for discernment ministry. I would consider myself that you know I'm I'm on board. I'm, I've always preached that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you can it's, it's human nature. We can easily go off can go off to the right or the left. Right. That's, that's the right. Okay, let's bring up this this next charge. Uh, well, it's kind of like two in one. <laughs> it, this, yeah. It's a bonus here. Uh, you are an advocate of dominionism. Wow. And uh, and the prosperity heresy. Yeah, this was done on you know more than one broadcast, and you know um, and 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 has gone beyond that. Um, yeah, dominionism basically they were to take over, and you know I mean just for anyone who doesn't you know and and we're we're to come victorious, present the world the world on a platter to God. Right. Um, and and prosperity can often go along with that. I mean, you know, um, basically God wants us all physically, materially prosperous. Well, I preach against these things. So first of all, but but what the the evidence, you know, for going on the air and saying that Jonathan Cohen is into that, um, is that, you know, that because that it was ta- it was taking the initial thing that had been said about replacement theology mm-hmm. and this is this is how it also spreads. People just accept these things from one website to the next or one program to the next. Mm-hmm. And then therefore I'm saying that, you know, America is the new Israel and Amer- America is replaced it and therefore we are to, you know, take over the world or whatever. Um and that must mean also prosperity, you know, uh and you know anybody who knows me obviously knows that I that I preach against these things, and anybody who knows my lifestyle, I mean the fact that I just would bring up on the harbinger, the back cover, the picture is taken by Sears budget photos. That's my style, <laughs> you know. So that's my style. So forget about forget about prosperity. You know, um, you know, if I could drive a used car my whole life, I would do it. You know, and so etc. But no, I, I and I'm not at the same time the balance. I'm not saying God doesn't bless people. Uh, materially, he certainly does, you know, but that is not the focus of our faith. That is not a guarantee of of God's people. Right. Okay. So you you haven't ever asked anybody to sow a thousand dollar seed offering uh, into your ministry so that God will bless them and give them a Mercedes Benz. Is that what you're saying here? That's that's certainly yes. That's really part of it. Um, I believe God will bless as we bless, but there's no guarantee of how He blesses. And you know, I mean, follow God. He He will bless. He He will bless. But that blessing, you might be in jail for your faith, and God will bless you. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then also the other the other thing, Chris. Again, you know, with very little exception, it was you know these things were not you know these were done. And again, it's not about me, and that's not why we're on the on the air today. It's mm-hmm. about we're we're trying to you know we're trying to help people here and also there, I don't know how many countless of people with just one statement or another statement can have their ministries you know you know defamed but the thing is that you know it was ne- there was never a thing of going on the air and saying listen we're sorry we said this this is not the case yeah. you know we 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 jumped the gun and that's the most Christ like thing to do for a believer yep. you know and and if and if you know we're wanting people who are into falsehood to repent then we should be the first to repent if we've said something wrong. Right. And in fact, um, a few years ago, I had a, a very public falling out with somebody uh, who was in the discernment uh, camp. And, and it was it was a really awful and ugly fight. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that I was not sinless in that fight. Um, even though I attempted to, you know, to take a principled stand, even I was not consistent with the principles that I w- wanted to take a stand on. And, you know, it resulted in that friendship completely being obliterated. And only recently, like, you know, like within the past few days, um, you know, did 
was I able to reconcile with that person? And in order to do that, it basically meant to swallow my pride and say, you know what, I was wrong, and I need to confess what I did wrong, even if it if that person doesn't confess what they what they did wrong. It, I had to, to take responsibility for my part, and it, yeah. it it turned out beautifully. And you know, and the gospel is the is it was able to bring reconciliation to both of us, and and that is an important thing. And but what was interesting in having that conversation with this uh, with this lady is that you know in the couple of years that she's been out of discernment, she's really had a lot of time to reflect and to pray and to actually you know kind of do some soul searching. But at the same time, she's also been you know kind of on the back end of discernment, able to talk to people who were affected negatively by that type of discernment. And she she was telling me about one gal. Um, who used to be an avid reader to discernment websites and had read a lot of the Puritan uh, theological works and stuff like that, who is a full-blown, like, New Age spiritist person now. Um, And the reason why is because she was so turned off by the hate and vitriol that she was seeing and digesting in uh, in many of these discernment camps that um, it completely turned her off, and she sought love in in different spiritual experiences because she wasn't seeing it in the, in that group. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real important. You know, it's again, it's it's kind of like taking one side that we have to do, and that is to defend the truth yep. and against heresy, against falsehood, against you know trends that are you know that could take the gospel, you know, take the church out of the gospel. Well, of course, we have to do that. But the, the, there, there's another danger there, and the other danger yeah. is that we can lift up the sword of truth without the love of God. Yeah, you can't have the truth of God without the love of God. That's right. You know, it's, it's you know that's what the, that's what they did. That's how Messiah was crucified. You mm-hmm. know, you know they you know and I'm I'm not pointing to any one person, but the point is that here were people who saw themselves as defending the truth, and they ended up crucifying God. You know, right. so we have to be you know that that's one thing, and then. You know, the other thing is that it's just human nature. We we can get off on anything, and that is if, if we get into that. Hey, we we um, you know we're we're going to attack. We're great attackers. We're going to cast down the thing. Well, be careful because you might cast down truth in the midst of it, and right. you might cast down things that are of the Lord, or you might just misapply it, and you might overfire. You might turn your fire on your own troops, yeah. and you have friendly fire. You yeah. know, and and that's the case as well. And so. You know, or we just become belligerent, and we're we're just so into doing this, and we're mocking it, and that's not the spirit of God. We, there must be truth and love at all times, and right. and you know, and love has to be there. Our heart has to be that we're interested in redeeming, and if there is a real problem, we're interested in correcting and yeah. helping the person. Right. Well, I you know, I I'm going to sound like a broken record to my listeners, but. Um, you know, I keep coming back to Christ's words to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. He commended them for rightly testing uh, people who called themselves to be apostles and found them to be false. Christ absolutely commended them for that. But the thing that he had against them and told them that if they didn't repent of, he would remove their lampstand. In other words, turn off the lights in the church. Um, it's because they had lost their first love. In in their pursuit of truth, somehow love had gotten lost in all of it, and it was so grievous that Christ had to warn them so sternly to repent uh, that uh, you know that the that the the warning included a warning to basically remove their lampstand as a church, and yeah. that is that. If that ha- alone has got to be one of the most powerful passages that should temper us 
and keep our focus on everything we do because, yes, you're right, there is false teaching out there. It is extremely dangerous. It sends people to hell. It must be stood against. But it always must be done with the idea that when you're exposing error, your goal is to serve people. Your goal is to actually serve them and help them so that God will open up their eyes so that they can repent and be forgiven and set be set free from that false teacher and that false doctrine and experience the freedom and peace that comes from the real gospel rather than false doctrine. Yeah, that has to be the heart and and you have to be careful how you wield your sword because you can also if you also start attacking in the same way people who are in the kingdom or because you have a difference over things which are not the foundational issues or you just jumped to raise that sword and attack you know yeah. and you you did it because you heard this word or you heard this or you made a judge a snap judgment and you took out your sword and you maybe killed somebody you yeah. know um absolutely and what you share Chris is one of the most important things i mean what's the heart of god if say you do have a real issue with someone and it's a real it's a it's a heresy or it's a whole well then your heart should not be mocking it should not be hey look what i found you know it should be that hey we we got to pray for these people we're going to deal with truth and we're going to we're going to deal with love to try to save them yeah all right i'm going to pause my interview with uh jonathan khan here and uh, if you stay tuned we'll continue it on the other side of this break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash pirate christian or you follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian quick break when we come back the balance of today's interview with jonathan khan don't want to miss it we will be right back No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Python's Flying Circus Church. Welcome to Build a God. How can I help you? Hello. I received a Build a God certificate for my birthday, so I'm here to build my own deity. Oh, this has got to be so exciting for you. Oh, it really is. Okay, let's get started. The first thing we have to do is determine whether your god is male, female, or unisex. Men are pigs anyway. She has to be female. Great choice. Now we have to select some of the attributes of your goddess. What do you provide? Do you want her to be kind, loving, compassionate, just, angry, righteous, wrathful? The goddess I believe in would only be loving and kind. Perfect. Now, is there any kind of sin that needs tending to by your goddess? Sin? You know, things like lying, cheating, stealing, murder, homosexuality. Well, I definitely want my goddess to be gay-affirming, and sin itself just feels so negative. I'm a good person, and I think my goddess will think everyone else is, too. Oh, wonderful. Your goddess is coming along beautifully. Now we have to get to the difficult questions. Does your goddess offer an afterlife? Yes, my goddess would let everyone go to heaven. 
Except for Hitler, Genghis Khan, my good-for-nothing ex-boyfriend. Oh, excellent, excellent! Now for the final step. You have to name your goddess. Hmm. I think I'm going to name her Jesus. Oh, wonderful! That's what everyone names their god. Purchased your airline tickets for your summer getaway yet? If not, don't pay more for your airfare, hotel room, or rental car than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air is your one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. And we've got a special promo code for you to use at Cheapo Air to save an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, then click on the web banner and book your travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That website address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. And thank you for your support. Cowabunga. Come in. What was I just doing, you might ask? Well, I just conquered the outer rim planet of Pico Pond with my trusty double-barreled nuclear plasma cannon. Well, I just did in this video game. But how is it possible for someone like myself to play 13 hours straight and not get a headache? It's quite simple, really. It's because I wear gunners. When I'm rocking these babies, I'm unstoppable. They're not limited to just games, mind you. Oh, no! I rock the spreadsheet, the PowerPoint, the word processor, and when that's all done, I hop my T-16 and fry me some toasters. If you want to get in on the action, then head over to piratechristianradio.com forward slash gunners. You gotta see it to believe it. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with discernment websites that don't speak the truth and use lies to defend the truth. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to, to support us. Of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to 
to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing without it. All right, here is the balance of today's interview that I conducted earlier today with Jonathan Kahn, the author of The Harbinger. Here we go. Well, the next one. Yeah, let's take a look at the next one. Real quick, did the person who accused you of dominionism and the prosperity gospel uh, repent of their false accusations? No, no, they came out with a tape series or a TV series on it. Oh, no. No. Okay, uh, next charge. Um, Uh, uh, You're a Freemason. Of, well, of course, you know I'm I'm I guess, I'm messianic, so maybe they confused it with Mace, Masonic or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it sounds it, like almost, so. It must be true. Yeah. Yeah, I have to. I do have to make it. You know, admission here. I, I there was once I dabbled in Masonry. I was once on the Jackie Mason show, and ah. so I think that was a little. Maybe that was it. Um, but no, what happened was th- this was made on the internet. It was made in, in a major newsletter, um, which in one way or form or another, linked me to masonry. And, and how, what was this based on? What was the evidence? Again, use the word mystery, use the word consecration ground, speaking of where uh, Israel was dedicated to God, and then I, I spoke of America, using the word key. Um, one said I spoke of an uprooted tree, has not, and, and said that the masons use a symbol of an inverted tree, so therefore I must be a mason. I spoke about a tree, and the, they have a tree. I mean, this is how, you know, this is how undiscerning it is and this was made you know in several for public forums about me masonry never repented of never you know never hey we we jumped the gun we just accused a, a you know a pastor of masonry right uh, never in my life would i have anything to do with masonry of course wow and this is just you know just one of the many things but yeah yeah uh, um, and i, I got just, it and not just done but done on the in the media so these are right. thousands and thousands of people hearing this so you, they're basically being fed a lie, you're telling you, telling them that you're a Mason when you're not a Mason. You know, it was, or, or that I'm linked to it in some way. Yeah, that you're linked to it in some way. You know, I got to tell you, there's a part of me. If somebody were to accuse me of that, I would probably send them video of uh, the Monty Python sketch from the Flying Circus. You know, how to spot a Mason. It's actually hilarious. But okay, uh, yeah. you know, so they never repented, and so there's still, you know, there's still the charge out there against you that yeah, they got yeah. wrong, and they haven't said, you know, uh, Jonathan, I lied about you and said you were a Mason, and I was wrong. Or, or, yeah, or, or or said, you know, because because I whether I I spoke about in using this word or this word, which are regular words or regular objects that can be used, that means <clears throat> that means somehow that is linked to masonry, and you know, in some of these cases, the other part is. Um, you know, I sought to, you know, I said, Hey, let's talk. Let's, let me, let me deal with this or let me at least answer this. And, you know, in most of them, not all, and I'll give credit for, for a few, but most of them said, no, you know, refusing to talk or we're not giving any chance to this. And one of these things that gave allegations of, of links to masonry went to maybe, you know, a hundred thousand people on a newsletter. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, and it doesn't, I mean, you know, to me, Chris, it doesn't, I mean, there, there, I hope you, and I hope anybody listening here has no anger in my voice. I, I don't have any anger in it. You know, it's that, you know, I know nothing stops is stopping the Lord's purposes, but there are people who are confused, and it's just, it's wrong. You know? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, um, now, another thing similar was a charge of some links to Mormonism and, again, British Israelism, and this was, uh, two of two of these people who went on the air 
and they did a whole segment that that there's some link to Mormonism and some link with me to British Israelism. Why? What is the evidence? Because there were Mormons who were praising the Harbinger, you know, <laughs> um, and there were Mormons who were even, even, you know, even teaching the Harbinger. And listen, I hope there are a lot more Mormons who will teach on it. I hope they'll get to the, the, the part about, you know, salvation, you know. Right. But, you know, but, but, but there's a basic thing here, and that's saying that, that, you know, another basic error of discernment, because someone in, someone praises what you did, that, or someone endorses it, that, means that you endorse them and everything that they do. Right. They're, you know, the Mormons technically endorse the Bible, technically. They will say, read the Bible. That doesn't mean the Bible endorses Mormonism. Well, you know, I, and, and if you and, really want to upset some people, it's not that the Mormons actually endorse the Bible. They're King James only. So, I mean, that means that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got a double thing in there. Yeah, you got a double thing in there. But be thankful that Henry Kissinger didn't uh, endorse your book, you know that would just cause so a whole lot of the conspiracy theorists to you know literally you know lose sleep at night over that. Yeah, the Illuminati is behind the Harvard. Right, <laughs> and the trilateral prohibition. Of yeah, like you have uh, any control over so anybody who says, "Hey, I like that book." You had no control over that yet. So some Mormons liked it, and now you're somehow affiliated with Mormonism. Yeah, and and the you know, and even though in, in this broadcast, I don't you know. It, it didn't outright say I'm a Mormon, but what it, what it said is, look, there's there's links here. There's some link. There's a we thought there may have been, you know, Jonathan and replacement of British Israelism, and here's the Mormon thing, and so uh, you know, here's more evidence, and um, and then you know, which is kind of, you know, then you know, it was in the program, it was said that hey, we're going to keep you up to date on this breaking story, you know, this kind of you know, well, and now now here is again, you know, comparing to the world, you know, the standards that you run an expose where you think it's something. You know, there was no one who ever, none of these people who were on the air called me or, mm. or, or, or emailed me, and they all had my email. Um, I, had, I had to push in all these cases to try to speak to them, um, and, and most cases. And, but there was nothing asking me, is this true, or what is this, or what do you know? Nothing. No and attempt to fact way, check. No attempt to confirm the allegations that they were bringing. Where's the seeking for truth? I right. mean, if you're really seeking for truth, that's what you value truth. That's what you do. That's doing your homework. You don't cut corners in the same way that people who are into cults do. That's the very thing that we're against. You know. Right. So this was done, and then you know, you know, then you know. I think you know, one of them said something like, you know, well, well, what did we say? I said, you know, it's like, and you kind of almost alluded to this. It's kind of like I said, if I said to you. Well, I, I went on a, a public forum and said, you know, there's a there's a, a a woman of ill repute, and her car was in front of this this uh, minister's house for a few hours, and this happened. This, and I don't talk to you. I don't check. And say it turned out that there was a woman of ill repute who was being witnessed to by a pastor's wife. You know, right? But I don't check with you when I go on the air and make these allegations, which are saying basically that you're an adulterer. Right. You know, I said this is wrong. I went wrong. Yeah. You know? So this is just a, that's, so that's the Mormon charge. You know? Yeah, these are uh, these are the same tactics that you see in like the um, the uh, Inquisition uh, used you know, by the Roman Catholic Church, by the witch hunts of the medieval age, and uh, in America. I mean, these are yeah. the exact same kind of groupthink. And what I find interesting is that when you kind of study the psychology, uh, you know, they've got the they've have this group of people that they've demonized, and there's all this shorthand. It's, it's as if they don't have time to actually lay out a case, so they just throw out these really highly charged words, you know. 
uh, yeah, this person is associated with uh, the Mormons, and you know, or, yes. you know, or whatever. And everyone goes, oh, and what that does is all the shorthand gets you know represented, yeah. and no evidence then has to be brought forward. All you have to do is say the word, and the word itself is is golden because the person so saying it, you know, there it is. You know, you're yeah, gu- you're and, guilty and it, until proven innocent. Yeah, it short circuits true discernment, and it short circuits real. It, it short circuits. I just got short circuited. It short circuits real, real. Um, you know the real uh, exercise of discernment that is needed. Yep. You don't have to. Once you bring, once you just drop these words, as you said, you don't have to go into any real thing here. Yeah. Um, and that is the problem. And you know, it, it is. You brought up. You know what's been done in the in history, and that's true. And this was done. Some people have brought up the the. The parallel of McCarthyism, where it was the same thing, yeah. guilt by association. You know, this one was seen here with this, or you just, or this one used this word, or this, you know, a superficial connection which has nothing to do with any real connection. Right. And remember, you know, that this was done in the New Testament, it was done in the Bible, and you know, Jesus was called a wine bibber, and he was a friend of sinners. People looking at the superficial thing and missing the whole heart of it. You right. Know? And the same with Paul, isn't he the one who does it? You know, and what it really points to is it has to do with human nature yeah and it's not you know and, and listen we're all subject to it and none of us yep, are above right. it and we have to pray for our brothers well it has to do with human nature and human nature does these things you know right. it demonizes people it judges it sets our we set ourselves up as the judges as the self-righteous you know judges that can judge everyone else um we look for evil very often and you know that you, know, you go into a supermarket you'll see the national inquiry you'll see a lot of gossip racks because there is a thing in human nature that also is does this right and i'm not speaking about any individuals and their motives but the point is we have to be careful because those motives are still part of the flesh right so once i can dress it up with now hey now i have a reason where i can actually do this i actually have self-righteousness i actually have the truth therefore i can do this without you know accountability and that's the problem kind of a a pious way of dressing up a sin is what you're describing there but i want to make something really clear at this point at this point in our conversation and that is this is that if you're listening and you're guilty of doing this, whether it's to uh, Jonathan Kahn or somebody else, I have really good news for you because this program is not about demonizing you. This is really actually a call for you to repent. This is a call for you to say, you know what, these men are speaking the truth. They've just called out my sin, and they are right. It was wrong for what I've done. Yeah, I've got good news for you. Christ died for that sin. He's died for these sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And all of this was laid upon him. Repent and be forgiven. Repent and be forgiven and seek reconciliation with those whom you have wronged in this way. And then bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. Because discernment work is a vital part of what the church needs to be doing, but it needs to be done in accordance with the truth, not this type of lies and slanders and false accusations and refusal to repent when proven to be wrong. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, and, and, and that, listen, and nobody is above it. And this is not, again, I'm, we're kind of hopefully bending over backwards to say this is not about people. It's about what, what, how, how something good can go off. And right. when it goes off, anything that goes off, 
can be used by the enemy. Yeah. And you know, the enemy the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. Right. And so, you know, we're all, we have to be careful when we're accusing and accusing and accusing and accusing. Right. And we're dealing with where it could be the brethren, you know, yeah. and you know, where we could end up doing his work, uh, you know, mixed in with doing God's work. Yeah. You know, that's the point. It's not that the people aren't doing God's work, but you know the, these things. And again, I think we're we're very much saying something very needed. That is, what is discernment itself? Is that you distinguish, you do your homework, you yeah. you don't jump and you don't lay broad broad brush and label. Uh, you you distinguish between what is light and darkness. Right, and it has to be done with real statements made by real people that really say. Are what they're saying. You know, this is one of the reasons why I, you know, spend so many hours every week, literally, um, working out theological themes. And then when I play somebody and respond to it, you actually get to hear what they say and what they're preaching and teaching. So that I'm not just saying, oh yeah, you know what so and so said. Here's what they said. No, 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 no. You get to hear them, and then we open up our Bibles. And you never get to listen to fighting for the faith with an open mind. You only get to listen with an open Bible. <laughs> and you don't, and you don't take things out of context, right. and you don't twist things out of context, and your heart is really, you know, you apply the same standard that you would to, to what if someone was judging your ministry, right? You know, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying these, you know, anyone who says this, you judge by the same standards. You yes. know, how would you want them to judge you? How would you want them to take this? Would you want them to take a statement and take it out of context and then say this, or because you use this word in the same way, judge righteously? Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of these last. Charges here. Um, you've been accused of uh, t- teaching basically Jewish mysticism in the Kabbalah and the occult. Yeah. Uh, yeah when did was, you do that? Yeah. Well, this was a, this 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 one. I mean, I guess I was getting used to, to getting used to all this until then. This hit me. I said, "Whoa, what was this?" Um, and people who were you know supporting the army said, "What's going on? What's going on?" And I had to say what what this thing was. Basically, uh, uh, two things. You know, uh, yeah, I was charged with being into, in some way, into the Kabbalah or associated with Kabbalah or advocating Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, the occult. Why? What was that? And by the way, this was done publicly on the Internet, publicly on radio forums, publicly in print um, to massive amount of people um, and involved many people. And what was it based on? It's based on uh, there was a while, a good while back, I did a uh, series uh, to in in the Jerusalem Center on on the an apologetic series on how in you when you look at even those who deny Jesus like the, the rabbis the rabbinic mm-hmm. writings they actually speak of things they actually point to a Messiah who dies for our sins you know who uh, who um, you know, is to be a light to the Gentiles, and of course, these are in Scripture. Right. But um, who say all sorts of things that actually bear out Jesus. So, and this is a you know, and, and including that you know, I, I used any you know, I looked through all different uh, rabbinical writings from the Talmud to uh, to to the Zohar to uh-huh. the uh, to all different things as a hostile witness, saying first of all from the beginning that these people don't have the truth. That they're off. I could have used the Quran. I mean, if I was doing a thing on the Quran, if there was something there. Um, the point. This is a this is a standard uh, standard method of apologetic. Right. That is, it's that of the hostile witness. You're not endorsing the sources that you quote from. And in fact, we do it all the time. Yep. You can quote from people who are denying Jesus, whether they're atheists, whether whatever it is, and actually actually point the the conversation to Jesus or say, listen, they're actually they're actually they're actually 
going against their own argument and upholding Jesus. Right. Because, the, you know, the a lie late, is always going to contradict it. Right. The late Walter Martin used to put out these uh, tape series that were just fantastic called The Dialogue on the Doorstep. And, you know, a Christian brother would be playing the role of the Jehovah's Witness, and Walter Martin would do dialogue with him, and another person would play the role of a Mormon. So, you know, it was it was a role play in order to, you know, to teach an apologetic lesson. So basically what you're saying is you, you know, you basically played the opposite side so that you can turn right around and, and explain to people, you know, what this means and how we as Christians are to understand it and, and dialogue with that and give them the biblical worldview, right? And, and ha- yeah, and ha- yeah, and how... Even in even those who deny Jesus because the truth is the truth, that even in their writings you can find contradictions to that denial, and you can find pointing to yeah. the very things they deny. Meaning, if, if the rabbis are even saying that that you know, even though they'll deny it, this to, to the, you know, modern rabbis will deny this. In the ancient writings, it says that Messiah dies for our sins. You know, right. you know and this is a powerful thing to use for apologetics. Mm-hmm. It's powerful to use for Jewish people who don't know the Lord, which I've used, and we've seen people get saved. You know, um, and all sorts of things like that. There's a mention of something where where they say the mercy of God comes from something called Golgotha. Now they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. You know, and and the point is that I make it very clear that. That you know, these, this is—they don't know the truth. They don't have the truth. This is called the hostile witness. Right. You take somebody on the witness stand who's denying it, and you show that they actually are—they actually even affirm it when they try to deny it. It's one of the most powerful things. Right. And so that was the series. And by the way, this has been done from the beginning of the church age till now. I mean, it's done right. in tracts. It's done all. And you know, and the fact is, it's done by Paul himself when he's on Mars Hill, yep. and he actually quotes from. And they, you know, they try to kind of people try to whitewash it. He's quoting from hymns to Zeus, which yeah. are, which are, and he, you know, and he, he, what he's doing is he's speaking to apologetically to witness to pagans to say that even in their own writings they are actually upholding these things about God, and yet, yet if you look at the original writings, it's speaking about Zeus. So Paul is, was, does that mean Paul is endorsing Zeus? No, I mean, I mean, if I did what he did, I'd be crucified. You know, right. you know, he says that he speaks about the he, you know. We are his offspring. Well, right. that's speaking about Zeus in the original one, but Paul is saying, no, there's a deeper thing here. So, you know, I would be crucified by that. But so the point is that that he clearly did that. And so what happened is it would be like as Paul went on Mars, well, he did that, which he did. And then the, then all these sites that they were around at the time were always doing said, look, Paul is actually an advocate of Zeus worship. He's an advocate of <laughs> right. paganism. Right. Look, he clearly quoted from it, and he clearly said, you know, I mean, that's exactly, and they crucified Paul, who was using this to win people to the Lord. Yeah. They, either crucifying him and say, accusing him of being a a pagan Zeus worshiper, and this went all over the internet, and people, oh yeah, well, forget about Paul, he's a yeah. Zeus worshiper. You know, that's how bad, that's how slanderous it would be, that's how much false witness it would be. That's how much of a sin this would be. Yeah. But that's what happened. And so what and so it went from one site to the other. It even went into a book. And I'll give you an example. At one point, you know, it said and I mean there was an entire program program is done on this. In one site it said that it actually or one actually in, in written form said that I said I was telling people to follow the rabbis or listen to them and they, they took the quote out of context where I said where I said in the in the teaching said look listen listen to the rabbis they're even saying this That's uh-huh. the thing. listen to the rabbis on this point yeah, obviously it's clear what I'm saying and clear what I'm not saying but it was it was twisted around to say to make it look like I was telling people to follow the rabbi. You know, yeah. you know, that's how twisted it was. And I mean, see, even- this, this is where you know m- m- red flags start going off in my mind. I mean, when somebody 
can manipulate somebody else's words to make them say the opposite of what they're saying, that, as far as I'm concerned, you cannot do that accidentally. It is not possible to accidentally misquote somebody if you're actually carefully reading through somebody's works. Context, context, context. You know, and oh, this is you know one of my pet peeves here because there's a lot of people out there who are literally ripping God's word apart and ripping things out of context to make it say things that God never said. And when they're doing that same thing to you, again, that's not light. That's not truth. That doesn't give glory to Christ. That is the, Jesus himself said that Satan is the father of lies and that that, that lying is his native language. And so when you're engaging in lies, you're speaking the language of the devil. You're not serving the gospel. Yeah, you're and, and you're being an accuser of the brethren in the midst of it. Yeah. And you know what is what is a lie? It's a truth that's twisted around. It's yeah. twisted, and that that's exactly it. And you know, and this was done. I mean, this was major. I mean, it was done throughout. You can find it. It's all over, and it's an absolute falsehood in every in every teaching that I did. And I could, listen again tomorrow. I could do a teaching where I show the Quran does that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what I'm saying, or I could show something. The point is, you did that. You become a Muslim all of a sudden. And then, and then, yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is that you know, the thing is that it's. Um, it's twisting everything on its head. I said from the beginning, the, the rabbis don't have the truth. They don't. They don't have the God. They don't have this. But look, even here, and this is, and you can use this in, in evangelism. Look what they're saying here, and and that the fact that God is sovereign and He can even use things, just like again, Paul did that. But if you could do that with Paul, which you could, you could do much worse about with, with what happened on Mars Hill. And what he did was right. You know, yeah. But if you could do that, then that's that's a dangerous thing because because that's what the enemy would have done to Paul. That's what the enemy would have done to any of us. Yeah. Um, and so we have to be very careful. You know, this is the problem. The, the other thing is, the other evidence, so-called evidence, was that in the Harbinger, it was said that, you know, I mean, there's a there's a point and there's a, as you know, Chris, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a fictional story, yep. which is the framework. And so I used at one point a figure of an Orthodox Jew who's into mystical writing, mm-hmm. who the guy goes to to try to find some truth. And the, yeah. what the what the guy ends up giving him is nonsense. Total misses the he misses the obvious meaning of it. Yep. The guy who's into the mystical writing misses it, over mystifies the whole thing, and, uh-huh. and and gives him something totally off the wall. Right. And then and and then in the what what this was used is that because he mentioned you know someone into Jewish mysticism, that meant that was part of the evidence that I was advocating Jewish mysticism, which clearly it was the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the very yeah. in the Harbinger itself, the, the you know key character says this is you know you miss the obvious, this is you you become too mystical. It's obviously going against it, but yeah. they took the very thing, twisted around, and this was evidence that I was into advocating the very thing that I was saying was wrong. Yeah. You know, I want to respect your time, and we're you know we're we're bumping up on on our on an hour, and we talked prior to you coming on the air, and I wanted to to end off the program today. I'm going to segue to the end, um, in talking about two very real harbingers regarding the imminent return of Christ, and um, maybe we can talk about this because I think we're experiencing and what we're looking at in in what you're talking about here, what has happened to you and what is happening out there in the broader discernment world. It, it, it sounds to me like these harbingers that Christ and, and the Holy Spirit have given us are actually coming true in our time. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through uh, 12 says this, Jesus speaking, says, regarding the end, and many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, 
the love of many will grow cold. What I'm seeing, you know, is that people who should be exemplifying love, Scripture says that they'll know we're Christians by our love. The people who, who've been forgiven, who are cleansed, who are washed, who are redeemed, who are loved by God are not extending that love even to their own Christian brothers and acting in a way that is lawless. And because of that, we're seeing that the love of many right now is, is growing cold. I think this is a valid harbinger that Jesus gave us regarding the end times. What say you, Rabbi Khan? Well, you know, and, and yeah, and, and here we are, you know, in the end times, and here we are with surrounded by such apostasy, such apostasy, you know, I mean, in a sense, in culture from what is God's creation, and, and in the body from what is the Word of God. And, you know, we, in the midst of all this, you know, we can't be shooting ourselves falsely. You know, we can't yeah. be, we can't be, you know, to, I, I mean, the enemy loves it if we're, you know, if we're taking what should be used, you know, in a rightful way, uh, we're taking the sword and we're attacking each other with it yeah. over, over grounds that are not legitimate. Yeah. You know, that then we're, we're destroying ourselves, yeah. you know, and when we should be standing strong, yes, you know, you have a difference, you know, deal with it. And as you said, deal with it in love, but deal with it as with it, as we, sh- as is right as people of God in the body. Yeah. Second Harbinger from second Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy spirit says, but understand this in the last days, there will come times of difficulty People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. They're going to be heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I need to make a note here exegetically. That's how the world has always been. The reason why this, these great difficulties are coming that the Apostle Paul is prophesying is because that becomes then a mark in the church rather than just in the world. What do you think? I think, I think, it's, uh, I think that's true, and I think also another sign is that it, 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 the degree of intensification in, my, in culture yeah. is, is, is part of it as well. I mean, the, the kind of throwing off of all Christian garb, you know, in Western society, you know, brings, makes things intensified. Um, but certainly, you know, you know, anything that is a warning to the world is also a warning, is a warning to us. I yeah. mean, we, we have to remember we're dealing with the flesh too, and we yeah. have to, we have to, you know, we have to deal with our own flesh so that we could lift up the Lord, you know, in the way we are called to do. That's right. Well, um, Jonathan, thank you for coming on a second time on Fighting for the Faith, and my hope, my, and, blessing, Chris. my hope and prayer is that uh, the Lord will use this to uh, bring good, to bring repentance, to bring reconciliation, to bring the gospel to bear um, in a place where it should have been all along. And, uh, and my hope is that the tone will change and that uh, Christians who are doing important work of defending the truth will do so with integrity, will do so according to the standards that God has set in his word, and always with an eye towards serving the neighbor and serving the neighbor so that his eyes can be opened, he can be brought to repentance and repentant faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. If we're not doing, if that's not the reason why we're doing any of this, we may as well not be doing it at all. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, all right. Thank you, um, Jonathan. Shalom. Thank you, Chris. Shalom. So what did you think? Controversial? Provocative? Said it the way it is? Well, maybe. 
Maybe not. Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>